Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. As we continue going through Paul's letter to this young pastor. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Back in 2010, about 13 years ago, we as elders and we as deacons, the two office bearers in the church, we had to deal with a difficult situation at that time. We had a man who attended our church who was causing a lot of division And he was posing a severe challenge to a lot of the benevolence issues in our church. Uh, The deacons would often give him rides every Sunday to church. They would take him to Walmart to go shopping. We would pay his utilities. And a lot of the deacons' time and energy was spent helping to minister to this man. In addition, some women, some godly women in our church came to us as elders and said, we're concerned about this man and we're not sure exactly how to proceed with him. So the deacons reached a point where they were very frustrated because they felt this man was being pushy. They felt he was being overbearing. He was taking advantage of our generosity. And so we as elders were also concerned that maybe there was something sinister going on behind the scenes here. So on numerous occasions, I took some deacons with me and we would take this man to lunch and we would talk to him and try to minister to him. There were times when the elders gathered at his home to rebuke him, to correct him, to try to address these issues. And so needless to say, there came a point where I had to call a joint meeting of our elders and our deacons to meet together to figure out how to move forward in ministering to this man. And so there was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of discussion. Uh, There were actually tears that were um, shed during this meeting because here's what we couldn't figure out as elders and deacons. Was this man a sheep who was hurting or was he a wolf in sheep's clothing bent on destroying our church? And so we wrestled with how we were to minister to this man. And it was during that time I was very thankful that we had both elders and deacons that could come together to pray through, to work through how to best minister to people in our church and also to protect the flock at the same time. And so as we saw last week, the church needs biblically qualified elders to lead. This week we're going to look at the the church needs also biblically qualified deacons to also serve his church. And so since we follow the pattern of the Bible, we as Emmanuel do have elders and deacons as the two office bearers in our church. And so I'm going to answer three of the big questions that we often get when we do our new members class, when we talk about elders, when we talk about deacons. We're going to answer those three questions this morning. And so here is the first question that I often get asked. 
what is the difference between an elder and a deacon? What's the difference between the two? I hear elders, I hear deacons. What's, what's the difference between the two? Well, in, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. You see the two offices there? The overseers we looked at last week, the elders, the pastors, and the deacons. So there's two separate offices. Elders are not deacons. Deacons are not elders. They're two distinct offices. So as we get to our passage of Scripture this morning, Paul has just spent time, as we looked at last week, talking about the elders, the pastors, the overseers. Now in verse 8, he's switching gears and going to talk about the deacons, which is a different office. So let's look together at 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So there is a distinction between elders and deacons. We see that in verses 1 through 7, talking about elders, verses 8 through 13, talking about deacons. Now, they share many of the same character qualifications, as you can look at the list between the two. They both need to be persons of integrity. They need to not be addicted to much alcohol or wine, not lovers of money, dignified and above reproach. But there is a distinct difference between the function of an elder and a deacon. Elders have two functions that deacons do not. The two functions that an elder has, if you go back and you look at verses 1 through 7, elders are teachers. They have to have the ability to teach and to preach. Deacons do not have to have that ability. Number two, the elders lead or govern or the spiritual leaders of the church. That is not listed for the deacons. And so later on in 1 Timothy Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders, he doesn't say deacons, let the elders who rule well, who lead well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So elders are qualified men and only men who are the spiritual leaders, pastors, teachers, preachers in the life of the church. Deacons do not have to have that responsibility. Deacons are not in a position of pastoral authority. Deacons do not have to have the ability to teach and preach the way that elders do. That Deacons are not a, de- a separate decision-making body. It's not like two houses of Congress that share equal authority. It's not like the elders are the Senate, the deacons are the House of Representatives, and we're going to hash it out and fight it out and see who, who passes the bill. They're not two separate voting blocks. The elders are the spiritual leaders of the church. The deacons serve under the elders as ministers of mercy. So the Holy Spirit has called elders apart to be the men who are the spiritual leaders, teachers, 
leaders of the church. Deacons, on the other hand, are servants who submit under the authority and leadership and assist the elders. So there is a distinction. So first question, there's a difference between elders and deacons. Elders are the men who are the spiritual leaders, teachers, pastors of the church. Deacons, on the other hand, are not in that leadership position of spiritual oversight. They are servants that serve under the authority of the elders. So if that's the distinction between an elder and a deacon, let's ask the second question. What do deacons actually do? What do they do? Well, I want you to jump out of the book of 1 Timothy for a moment, and I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, chapter 6, we see a prototype of the first selection of deacons in the early church. Again, this is more of a prototype, but it gives us a template. It gives us an example of how the early church had a problem. They answered the problem by appointing deacons, servants. So in Acts chapter 6, I'll wait till you guys get there. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number... A complaint by the Hellenists against the Hebrews arose because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Taman, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. So this is the early church. And one of the issues related to the early church was they wanted to make sure that Nobody went without their needs being met, that the physical needs of the church members were being met. It was a high value in the early church. Acts 2, 44-45, all who believed were together. They had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. They were meeting the needs of each other. And Acts chapter 4 Verses 32 to 35. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. They were meeting each other's needs. But here was a problem. As the church begins to grow, things begin to get messy. People tend to get overlooked. And here's what was happening. The Hellenistic widows, that is the Greek-speaking widows, were getting overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, it could have been a language barrier. We really don't know why. But we have to infer from the early church that they set aside money for benevolence issues to make sure people's needs were taken care of, especially the widows. And so the Greek-speaking widows were getting overlooked 
in the daily distribution. And I'm sure there's a lot of complaints. The Bible says that complaints came, and these, these widows are complaining. And who are they complaining to? They're complaining to the 12 apostles. And so the apostles are, are so busy trying to meet the physical needs of all these widows, they say, time out. God has called us as the apostles to focus on preaching and teaching and leadership. It's not good for us as the apostles to meet all of these physical needs. Let's appoint deacons. Let's appoint servants. That word distribution, the daily distribution, that's where we get our word deacon. The word deacon literally means to wait on tables, to wait on tables. And so what they did was the apostles said, hey, let's pick some men, seven men, that are spirit-filled, they're men of integrity, they're men of character, they're men that are trustworthy. Let's select them and let them serve these major needs that we have because we as the apostles, we've got to devote our time to preaching and teaching. And so you see that distinction between elders and deacons. Elders are to devote their time to preaching and teaching and leadership. Deacons are to serve the needs of the church, especially those benevolence needs that come about. And so the whole congregation affirmed these men, but the apostles laid their hands on them and approved of them and prayed for them and sent them out to serve. And so this is the model that we have here at Emmanuel. The elders are focusing on preaching teaching spiritual leadership the deacons focus on meeting the physical needs of the congregation there is no way that we as elders or me as one pastor can humanly possibly meet all of the needs in this congregation so we need helpers we need to divvy up the responsibilities so that we don't have the same problem that happened in the early church people are getting overlooked people's needs aren't getting met People aren't getting ministered to. And so what we've done is we've set aside deacons in a manual after this model to help the elders serve the entire congregation and to meet those needs. And again, the deacons are not a a ruling body. They're not an overseeing body. They are an assisting body that comes alongside to help the elders be able to focus on the spiritual leadership needs of the church. And so, based upon what we see here in Acts 6, what we see here in 1 Timothy 3 with the qualifications, and also just church history, that you read about how deacons function throughout church history, there are some primary tasks that deacons have. These aren't clearly spelled out in the Bible, but these are what we believe the Bible kind of teaches about the tasks of deacons. So, number one, they help promote the unity in the church they look out for division they make sure that there's no division there's no complaints remember the problem in this book of acts was that the these widows were getting overlooked and they started complaining so deacons are proactive to make sure needs are met that people aren't getting overlooked there's no complaining that if there's disgruntled members they're proactive in meeting those needs that they promote the unity in the church mark dever says this He says, quote, the deacons are not those in the church who are complaining the loudest or jarring the church with their actions and attitudes. Quite the opposite. The deacons are to be mufflers, the shock absorbers. Deacons are the shock absorbers. They're the ones that are there to help foster the unity in the church. They help foster a welcoming culture. A lot of our deacons are out there in the foyer meeting you as you come in. 
making sure that people feel connected when you walk through the doors here at Emmanuel. The deacons also help maintain the building and grounds, the physical property, make sure that things get done to make sure we take care of God's house. They also help serve the Lord's Supper. So, so deacons are ministers of mercy, primarily overseeing the benevolence needs in the life of our church, assisting widows, helping single mothers, helping people with meals, hospital visits, people that need job counseling, help coordinate financial counseling, helping people go through difficult times. Our deacons have helped people physically move. If they've had to move in or move across town, they've helped move. And so basically, they're ensuring that the widows, the poor, the needy, the hurting, the suffering members of our church are not neglected. James 1.27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, just because the deacons are set apart to serve does not mean the elders don't serve also. It's just shared responsibility. Elders serve, deacons serve, just in different ways. Now, it's very interesting that there's been times in the life of our church, as I shared earlier, where elders and deacons met together to make some major decisions. So back in May of 2020, you guys remember that? I was the only one in this room back then on live stream because you were all shut in because of COVID. We met as elders and deacons to decide how and when we would reopen a manual. I didn't want it to be Pastor Sean's decision. I didn't even want it to be the elders' decision. I felt like we needed to bring both groups together, elders and deacons, and so we met for a period of time to pray through, to think about strategically how do we reopen a manual to make sure that we are doing things the right way, that we are doing things that keep the entire congregation Um, the the best interest of, of everybody involved. And so we gathered together as elders and deacons to make that decision. In addition, in the past, we've had a shepherding list that every elder and deacon has a shepherding list. It's a, it's a list of about nine or ten family units that have been desi- assigned to every elder, every deacon, where the entire church congregation is being prayed for, encouraged, contacted. Now, that's been kind of a little bit off the past few years because of COVID, and here's why. We've had a few deacons step down. We've had a lot of people pass away. We've had a lot of people move in. And so we're in the process of reforming those shepherd lists. And so we've added new deacons. And so in the coming weeks, you will be hearing from your said shepherd, elder, or from your deacon as far as who's on your list. And their job is to contact you, to pray for you, to see if you have any needs, to make sure that you're communicated with. So that I don't have, I mean, I do that obviously, but this shares the responsibility so that the entire church is being prayed for, being cared for. And it's divvied up by both our elders and our deacons. And so a lot has changed over the past three years with COVID and all of the things that have happened with people passing away and moving that we're finally kind of getting together that new list. It will be coming out in the near future as far as how we shepherd this congregation. So first question, what's the distinction between elders and deacons? There's a difference. Second, what do deacons do? Primarily ministers of mercy, benevolence, helping widows, the physical needs of the church while the elders are the spiritual leaders. Now here's the controversial question. Here's the question we often get. Here's the third question. Does the Bible permit female deacons? Now before I answer that, 
Let me just clarify the distinction between elders and deacons. Elders are men and only men who are the leaders, the teachers, the preachers. Remember what we looked at a few weeks ago where Paul said back in chapter 2, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. So a woman cannot be an elder because then she would be teaching and have an authority over a man. So a woman is not permitted to serve as an elder. With that being said, I do believe that a woman can serve as a deacon. Now, this may confuse you if you come from a traditional Southern Baptist church that does not have a plurality of elders, but has deacons acting as elders. Okay? So, so it depends on where you're coming from. Some of you may think, well, you may be compromising by having female deacons when all these past weeks you've been talking about how only elders can be ma- males. And yes, only elders, pastors, can be males. But remember, deacons are not rulers, teachers, those in authority. They're servants under the authority of the elders. And therefore, we see in this passage of Scripture that women are permitted to be deacons. Now look at verse 11. The ESV makes an interpretation that other translations do not. Verse 11 says, their wives likewise must be. Their wives. The Greek text only has one word. Women. The women. As a matter of fact, the New American Standard Bible just translates it probably the most accurately. It just says women. It doesn't say their wives. So there's been some debate throughout church history as to what this really means. So there are three views, okay, about what this word means. The first view is that The Bible does permit women to serve as what we would call a deaconess. It's the same office as a male deacon. It's just a female deacon that meets the qualifications. She is a deaconess because the Bible just says women there. The second view is that it's the wife of a deacon. She still has to meet the qualifications, but she's the wife of a deacon. The third view, which is not really big among Baptists, it's more of a Reformed Presbyterian view, it sees it as an assistant to the deacons, but not necessarily an ordained office, but it can be a female assistant to the deacons. Now, I'm not going to be dogmatic on this because I think there's enough information from church history and from the Bible to allow for all three. But let me give you three reasons why I think it's permissible for women to serve as a deaconess, granted that she fulfills the qualifications here biblically. Okay, first of all, did you notice that there's no qualifications for wives of elders. You would think when Paul finished verses 1 through 8, he would stop and say something like this, Likewise, their wives must be, and then he gives the character qualifications of elders' wives. He does not do that. It's not necessary to give the qualifications for elders' wives because elders' wives can't be elders because they're women. So you would think that if Paul's going to go to this great extensive treatment of the wives of deacons he would have at least spent some time talking about the wives of elders so i don't know if he's necessarily talking about just merely solely wives there but that it could be any woman that meets the qualifications of deacon there so that's argument number one just the word women secondly i want you to notice the word likewise and then the word must do you Do you see three musts in this passage of Scripture? Look at verse 1. I'm sorry, look at verse 2. 
Therefore, an overseer must be, so elder, overseer must be, and then character qualifications. Verse 8, deacons likewise must be. Okay, you get to verse 11, their wives likewise must be. It's almost as if he's addressing a third category here. Elders, deacons, and then this third category with qualifications. And so it's not necessarily just the wives of deacons, but it could be women who serve as deacons. Now, the other question, the third question, or the third issue is, why didn't Paul use the word deaconess? Why does he just say women? Because there's no Greek word for deaconess. There's no Greek word for that. As a matter of fact, Phoebe was called a deacon or a deacon. She wasn't called a deaconess. She was called a deacon in Romans 16, 1 through 2. I command or I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant. Now some translations say a deacon. It's the same word there. A servant, a deacon. It's the Greek word diakonos, where we get our word deacon. A servant of the church in Kenkre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. The reason she's not called a deaconess there, she's called a deacon, is because there's no female version in the Greek text for a deaconess. We've kind of used that as an English term to refer to a female deacon. So, whichever way you slice it, whether you see it as a woman who's a deacon that meets the qualifications, a wife of a deacon who meets the qualifications, or a female assistant to the deacons of the qualifications, no matter how you slice it, women served in the early church and women serve in our church. And so women deacons serve in many ways. Caring for the poor ministering to the sick they help with female baptisms providing meals for families involving themselves in people's funerals doing home visits hospital visits giving rides making phone calls discipling children and other women now with that being said here's a caution that we need to think about when we're talking about male elders female deacons all these types of things deacons that are female need to minister, teach, and appropriately care for other women and children. Women should not be discipling other men. Deacon wives or or women deacons should not be teaching other men, discipling other men, or counseling other men. That's not good propriety. That's not appropriate. At that point, they would be crossing over into an area where Paul would forbid about a woman teaching or having authority over a man. Also, I want you to think about this. We need to protect this whole idea of male leadership in the home. Here's a scenario that we would need to be cautious in selecting a female deacon. What if you have a woman who's qualified to serve as a deacon, but her husband is not. I don't think it would be wise to install that woman as a deacon if her husband does not meet the spiritual qualifications because you'd have to ask the question, what's wrong in that family if the husband is not stepping up to the plate? He should be qualified to be a deacon. So who are the candidates for female deacons at Emmanuel? Obviously the wives who meet the qualifications of qualified deacons, widows who meet the qualification, single, never-been-married women who meet the qualifications. Those would be the ideal candidates for deaconesses. Now, in our church, we have one deaconess, Cindy, 
who came up and read our scripture this morning. She so happens to be the wife of a deacon. So she's a, she fits both qualifications. She's the wife of a deacon, but she's also a deaconess because she herself meets the biblical qualifications. And back when we selected deacons, she had to go through the process of being selected the way that all the other deacons do. So there has been a practice of female deacons throughout church history. You go back to Clement of Alexandria in 150 AD. He wrote about deaconesses in the early church. John Chrysostom the 300s, he also referenced deaconesses in the church. John Calvin even said this in the mid-1500s. He says, For deaconesses were appointed not to spend their time in idleness, but to perform the public ministry of the church toward the poor and to labor with all zeal and diligence, being ministers of mercy. Even Charles Spurgeon in the late 1800s said this, Deaconesses, an office that most certainly was recognized in the early church. Okay, what about Southern Baptist life? With all the stuff that's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention about women pastors and this meeting that we're having um, in the next few days in New Orleans, well, what, what has been the history of Southern Baptist in relation to having female deacons? Well, you may not know this name, but he's pretty big in Southern Baptist history. His name's B.H. Carroll. B.H. Carroll was the pastor of First Baptist Church, Waco, Texas. He was the founder of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, and he was a pastor in the late 1800s. And so in 1877, his church had six deaconesses that served under the authority of the elders. Now, I want you to also hear what B.H. Carroll said. And I think our Southern Baptist Convention needs to hear what B.H. Carroll said when he was talking about 1 Timothy 2. He said this, quote, the custom in some congregations of having a woman as a pastor is in flat contradiction to this apostolic teaching and is in open rebellion against Christ, our King, and high treason against His sovereignty and against nature as well as grace. Under no circumstances conceivable is it justifiable. So, let's review. What's the difference between an elder and a deacon? An elder is men and only men who are the spiritual leaders, governors, teachers, preachers, those in authority in the church. Deacons, on the other hand, are under the elders. They're servants. They're ministers of mercy. They do benevolence. They have to meet the qualifications. They are those that serve behind the scenes. And the Bible does permit women to serve as deacons if they meet the biblical qualifications because they're not in a teaching position they're not in a preaching position they're not in an elder oversight position they're in a deacon position so how does this practice of deacons work itself out practically here at Emmanuel? let me just give you a few things to think about when we think about our deacons first good deacons are humble servants you probably don't even know who our deacons are oftentimes, and that's probably a good thing because they do things behind the scenes. They don't draw attention to themselves. They don't try to fight for positions of power. They are servants who humbly work behind the scenes and do a lot of the grunt work behind the scenes that you may never see to make sure that people's needs are being met. So they're humble servants. Second, good deacons are peacemakers who promote unity our deacons are probably the most prominent champions of the gospel and the direction of Emmanuel. 
They quell rumors. They're peacemakers. They work behind the scenes to try to promote the unity in the church. They try to love people. They try to be proactive to make sure that complaints don't arise so that people can have um, their needs met. Third, good deacons have solid theology. Now, deacons are not required to teach, but I want you to notice verse 9. What does verse 9 tell us? They must hold the mystery of the faith, that is the gospel, the scriptures, with a clear conscience. Our deacons may not be preachers or teachers, but they need to have strong theology. They need to hold to the the scriptures and and hold to the, the theology of Emmanuel because even in an indirect way, when they're ministering to people, when they're representing Emmanuel, they're representing our theology and they are representing the truths of scripture. And they're living those truths out practically. And then fourth, good deacons gladly support the ministry of the elders. I'm reminded of that imagery back in Exodus chapter 17. I don't know if you remember, Exodus 17, the Israelites had escaped the clutches of the Pharaoh through crossing of the Red Sea. But then the Amalekites came upon Israel to attack them. And Moses said, Joshua, go down into the valley and fight the Amalekites. And when I raise my staff, the Lord will be victorious. And you remember what happened to Moses? His arms got tired. And when his arms got tired and he lowered his arms, they started losing the battle. So what happened? His brother Aaron came on one side and held up his arms. Her, we don't even know who her was, but her came on the other side, H-U-R. Her came on the other side and they held up Moses' arms so that the Israelites could win the battle. That's the way I view deacons. Deacons come alongside us as elders and they they hold our arms up as champions, as cheerleaders, so that we can do the the ministry of leading and teaching and protecting. They come alongside us as cheerleaders and they support us. They stand with us. They hold our arms up. So the church needs biblically qualified elders to lead and the church needs servant-hearted deacons to serve both offices. Now, as we've been thinking over the past few weeks about elders and deacons, last week we asked the question, who was the greatest elder of elders? Who was the greatest pastor of pastors? Who was the greatest preacher of preachers, shepherd of shepherds? It was Jesus. We said last week, Jesus is the senior pastor of Emmanuel. He's our chief shepherd. He is our Lord. He is the senior pastor. But let me ask you a second question. Who is the ultimate deacon of deacons? Jesus. Remember, a deacon means a servant. I read this earlier, but let me read it again from Matthew 20, 26 through 28. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be your first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. You know what Greek word that is? Jesus came to be a deacon. That's what the word is. Jesus came to serve as a deacon. It's where we get the word deacon. So Jesus served us in the most powerful way by giving up his life for us on the cross. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said in John 10, 14-15, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is our ultimate elder. 
Jesus is our ultimate deacon. He leads us as our senior pastor, and he serves us by laying down his life for us that we might have forgiveness of sins. So may we never lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the ultimate shepherd of our souls. He's the ultimate overseer of our souls. And he's the ultimate servant who came to serve. So let us be thankful that Jesus is our senior pastor and Jesus is our servant-hearted deacon. I know it's kind of weird to think about Jesus as your deacon, but he's a servant. And because he's the senior pastor and because he's the ultimate servant, let's not focus our eyes on the elders of the church. Let's not focus our eyes on the deacons of the church. Let us all focus our eyes on Jesus, who is the head of this church. So let me ask you to bow your heads this morning, and let us go into a time of prayer. And at this time, I'm going to ask all of our deacons to come down to the front. If you are one of Emmanuel's deacons, last week we prayed over the elders. Today we're going to pray over the deacons. I know one of them's on youth one of one of our deacons is on youth camp trip with our youth. So Dave and Cindy and Phil and Larry and Brent. And Jonathan, he's not here. All right, at this time I would like to ask if you you guys can all stand what we did last week was we gathered over our you know what, I asked you guys to close your, head, close your eyes and pray, and I never led you in a prayer. 